Hi everyone, Marty Schneider here from Breaking Mayberry. Dan and I are going on a short break for the holidays, so this is a re-upload of what I think is one of our best episodes and one of the best episodes of The Andy Griffith Show. It's our one and only Christmas episode featuring Joe Wade of the excellent podcast Christmas Creeps. This covers Season 1, Episode 11 of The Andy Griffith Show, The Christmas Story, which... Honestly, I don't recommend this often, but you should probably just go to your Netflix or your Amazon Prime and just go watch it. It's a real good episode of TV. It's definitely a holiday favorite for us. But don't do it now. Listen to us now and then go watch the episode after. Other than that, we're going to be back around New Year's with new episodes and we've got new plans for the show in 2019. Got a lot of great projects coming up, including our first ever live show happening in January. We'll have details on that very soon. And we'll continue to put bonus content up on Patreon for all of our subscribers there, so you can get it on that at patreon.com slash breakingmayberry. Thank you all so much for listening, subscribing, sharing with your friends. Dan and I don't really advertise this show, so the way that we grow is by you telling all of your friends and your family about us by liking, sharing, reviewing, subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice, and that means we get bumped up in those algorithms and those search results. So thank you to everyone who's done that. And if you haven't done that yet, well... Boy, your reviews and your shares will be a great Christmas gift for your Mayberry buddies, don't you think? All right, plug over. Happy holidays, everybody. Thank you for listening. Here's the Christmas episode we recorded way, way back in July. I hope you enjoy it. Ho, 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 and welcome to Breaking Mayberry, the Christmas show where a couple of guys watch the Andy Griffith show to... Get in touch with the Christmas spirit. Um, I am Marty Schneider. I'm Dan Ludwig. And we you have... went off book and that was so startling. <laughs> well, I went off book because we have a special guest today. Uh, from the podcast Christmas Creeps and my longtime writing partner from Something Awful and Front Row Central. Good friend of mine and I'm so happy to have him on the show, Mr. Joseph J. Dubway. Joe? Hey everybody, thanks for having me. Joe, tell us about Christmas Creeps before uh, before we get into this. <laughs> okay, so uh, Christmas Creeps is a podcast that my friends and I have started uh, where every two weeks we will reconvene and we will discuss another uh, Christmas film or TV show that has a Christmas episode or a film that's even tangentially related to Christmas in search of the true meaning of Christmas because... Uh, as I've said many times before, I am a horrible weirdo, and my co-hosts are even more horrible uh, enablers. Um, and that's kind of what we do on Christmas Creeps, as awful Christmas movie banter and that kind of stuff. I mean, you are on a, a, a podcast about the Andy Griffith show. You are amongst good company in terms of weird weirdos. I gotta say, that's, that's I, I even based our rating system on this show off of your rating system on Christmas Creeps. So, uh, you are a direct You based influence. your rating system off of the worst thing in the universe. Great. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, that's about right, actually. It seemed appropriate at the time. We've got Joe here uh, because this is a Christmas episode. Uh, and we'll be airing this. This is our Christmas in July. We're doing Season 1, Episode 11, The Christmas Story. And this is the only Christmas episode in the Andy Griffith Show's entire eight-year run. Which is fucking nuts. How This is like the most Christmas-compatible TV show. How do they not, like, like, Bob's Burgers milks the crap out of Christmas every year. How did the Andy Griffith Show do it once? I gotta say, maybe I, I don't think they could do better than this. Yeah, they got it. They got it so right. They didn't want to mess with mess it up. You'd think they would have taken like another swing at it in like the later seasons when they were running out of material. You know, they apparently never did because their last two seasons were the most popular. It's a it's a very weird thing. I will say that it feels so good that I've got you guys here and we're going to talk about an episode that I unironically, unashamedly love of the Andy Griffith show. Like, this is 
a good episode, and it feels so good to talk about something good today. It's it's like it has it has Andy Griffith show bullshit, but it has just the right amount of Andy Griffith show bullshit. Like it's it like every now and then, and there there'll be just something a, a little a little moral reprehensibility, just as like a garnish on something overall like good and really well done. It's perfect. Which yeah, we desperately needed this. And I think this is like the point in like that first season where the concept of the Andy Griffith show clicked because it's both like really indicative of what the show would become, but also not entirely because there's a lot of stuff in this episode that just never shows up again in the show. Right, right. And we'll, we'll get into that when we have description. Like there's a couple of these things that I think were like retconned later on. So, but a, a couple of things in this episode are like incompatible with what we see about the Andy Griffith show later on. Uh, and you just kind of have to ignore it. It's yeah. a Christmas miracle or something. This is an Elseworld title in the Andy Griffith show. Yes. This isn't yeah. technically canon. The Watcher shows up at the beginning of this episode and is like, gaze into another future where you could drink in Mayberry. <laughs> Griffith by Gaslight. Yes. <laughs> the other reason I'm excited to have you on, Joe, is you are the first Southerner we've had on the show. Well, that's uh, that's certainly an honor, isn't it? I guess. <laughs> I mean, not only that, but you're from North Carolina, so this is like in your backyard. Oh yeah, uh, I I grew up like Mayberry is based on May- Mount Airy, North Carolina. I grew up like thirty minutes from Mayberry, so this is like this is my wheelhouse right here. Is this show specifically? How big is the Andy Griffith Show in your part of the South? Uh, I see. I don't think it's very big outside of North Carolina. Really, because I mean, you know, we have the the Andy Griffith Show Festival here every year, Mayberry Days. Uh, Andy Griffith retired in Wilmington, kind of famously, and he where he went to produce Matlock after the fact. Um, I, yeah, I think it's really just kind of more of a local thing than it is a Southern thing. Have you been to Mayberry Days? I have, yes. Oh, tell us, please uh, tell us about it. Yeah, it's... is there like an uh, like Opie balloons that people carry around? Is there like <laughs> Barney themed snacks? No, no snacks, no. Uh, shaped balloons but you do get like the sort of the the, the uh the foods that of like bar the barbecue and the the down home cooking that you'd see on the show and you got your uh barney fife impersonators out and up, up until you know That's very recently they marish <laughs> up until recently they would have like actual cast members show up for this thing but you know the rigors of time being what they are uh they've kind of passed on but uh, yeah, Mayberry Days is a, a, a great event if you really want to see Mount Airy struggle to become Mayberry for a day. Do they have like like they're they're constantly hoping that Ron Howard shows up? Like they have a seat reserved for him. They send him an invitation every year. Just like, <laughs> they have a seat for him, like Elijah. It's like how a drag <laughs> show has a seat for RuPaul just in case she shows up. <laughs> Just every year, the guy who who runs it is just like, this is the year that we're finally going to net Ron Howard. We saw it. He's in the area. He's filming a movie just a state over. He's going to come this year. I think one year they got Clint Howard, and that was the best they ever got. Oh. oh. But no, like there's there's an Andy Griffith Museum. There's a statue of Andy and Little Opie, which is really kind of spooky if you really if you really study it. Um, I don't think Ron Howard wants to go there to see that statue personally. Like, I wouldn't. I don't know. I wouldn't go no, see a like, statue of little me. That's weird. Yeah, <laughs> no, like a statue to your, or, or just an entire region that is like, like super invested in your personal childhood and the thing you did as a child. On the other hand, if Ron Howard ever feels like starting a cult, he's already got a jump on everyone else. He's got a base of operations ready and waiting for him. Yeah, he's yeah. got a city full of, of parishioners just like, come on down, please. You know, it's the perfect retirement plan to start a cult. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, so we're definitely probably next summer going to make that trek down. So you'll have to join oh, us no. for, for Mayberry Days. I'll be your tour guide. Yes! We will almost certainly die during this trip. I, I, I place our survival expectations you very low. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, good start. let's go ahead and get into this. Uh, episode 11 aired December 19th, 1960, directed by department store Santa manager Bob Sweeney. 
written by David Adler. So good, good one-two punch here. David Adler, our hero here on Breaking Mayberry. Fra- also known as Frank Tarloff, a yep. blacklisted writer. All right, so here is our one-sentence summary of the Christmas story from Wikipedia. Despite being forced by Scrooge Ben Weaver to arrest bootlegger Sam Muggins on Christmas Eve. <laughs> I didn't catch that his last name was Muggins. That's so good. Sam Muggins. <laughs> Sam Muggins. The patriarch of the Muggin clan. <laughs> he sounds like an old-timey like gangster. Nah, the yeah, Muggins no. gang has come to rob this bank. <laughs> he sounds, yeah, he sounds... Like like one of the guys who was like in uh oh shit babyface Nelson's gang who gets nabbed early on in the movie. We leave a hoot jug after every massacre. <laughs> <laughs> right, despite being forced by Ben Weaver to arrest bootlegger Sam Muggins on Christmas Eve, Andy still manages to have the most wonderful Christmas in Mayberry. That is our one sentence summary from Wikipedia. Uh, so let's just, uh, let's just jump right into this. We open up, it is Christmas Eve, and Andy, uh, is locking up a bunch of prisoners. By the way, a lot of prisoners! So many prisoners! Like, seven dudes! Like, and, and Andy is like, like, the jail is packed, which it's not supposed to be. Like, by the fundamental laws of Mayberry, the jail is supposed to have, like, Otis and maybe one other person. Right, it's, it's Otis and then a rotating seat. But yeah, yeah, for some reason, there's just been a crime spree in Mayberry around Christmas. And Andy's response to this is to apologize to the prisoners for the shitty accommodations. He's like, I- I'm really sorry that there's not enough pillows. For some, for some reason, he's not like, all right, there's, there's like, uh, Mayberry is dissolving into chaos. Where the, we have a full jail cell. We need reinforcements. Yeah, he's, he's extremely cavalier about this crime spree. He's just like, sorry, it sucks. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Sorry, y'all, but your tax dollars ain't gonna pay for a third cell. <laughs> it's apparently the frick. It's like the. I was gonna say the purge, but that doesn't make any sense. Uh, no one would be getting like all the purge in Mayberry would be so good. <laughs> the, it would be an extremely impolite evening. Except for Ernest Don Knotts, who would kill so many people without any repercussions. It would be fantastic. <laughs> Alright, so Barney enters brandishing a big old stack of Christmas cards. So Andy and Barney sit down together to review the Christmas cards they got, uh, including one from, like, the Walken Brothers or whatever, who are, like, sending, like, Merry Christmas from State Prison. And there's, like, a picture of them in their cell, and that and that's their, like, Christmas card. <laughs> Which, again, like... Did they arrest, like, three dudes, but were so polite about it that they're cool about it? Like, it's, like, again, it sort of takes place in this weird alternate version of Mayberry where there is actually crime and Andy and Barney occasionally arrest people. So this is an Elseworlds uh, story, a what-if story. Like, what if Andy were competent at his job (laughs) at all? That's dismissed immediately. Because, for what the reasons we're about to see. Okay, so, while they're reviewing Christmas cards, Barney gets one from Hilda May. Uh, and for some reason is embarrassed by the fact that his girlfriend got him a Christmas card. Andy, which is, is sort of validated because Andy then ribs him for getting a Christmas card from his girlfriend of several episodes. Like, it's the most weirdly high school thing, like... Were you not supposed to admit that you were dating someone back then? Was the 1960s just high school? Like, what, or not even high school, middle school? It's the weirdest Barney situation. likes Hilda. Barney likes Hilda. Yeah, he's like doing like a full like, who's it from? Uh, Hilda May. Ooh, do you like her? Does she like you? Are you guys going to go to the dance together? Barney and Hilda sitting in a tree. Yeah, it's it's really weird. But but the like letter that she writes him is really like weird and embarrassing. It's like mostly baby talk. I want to point out by the way, Hilda May has barely spoken this entire time. We've seen her, we have not heard her. The only time we we hear her is um in her last appearance, which is the episode we did last time. 
uh, yeah. AD saves Barney's morale, where she does that monologue about, like, Barney doesn't like to be made fun of, and you're like, I was very concerned for Hilda's life at that point. Um, but, uh, this leads into the uh, the reoccurring joke of the episode in that uh, Barney is like Bar- Hilda May in the letter called Barney a pet name, and Andy is like, "Come on, man, it's it's safe. You can tell me what the uh, what what the pet name is. I'll I'll be cool about it." And Barney's like, "Oh, she called me Barney Poo," and Andy proceeds to in no way be cool about it, just <laughs> sort of like mercilessly tear into Barney like Barney Poo. Everyone in the jail cell, you know, prisoners. This guy's girlfriend called him Barney Poo. What it, a it, fucking idiot! I, I think you're missing one, Dan. I think it was Barney Parney Poo. Like there was an extra, like oh god, yeah. So it, does this is this like the first time in the show that Andy is painted as kind of a bully, or have they done this since then? Oh no, no, that's like episode two. Okay, because yeah, Andy is. This is like classic bully behavior from Andy, like, sidle up to him, tell him, ah, you can trust me, and then totally betray that trust in ten seconds. Oh, yeah, no. In terms of abusive behavior, this is, like, this is very low on on the Andy Griffith uh, gaslighting scale. He, like, this is low, like, low-grade emotional abuse for him. But I guess in this episode, it stands out because it's kind of the only instance when he really does it. I mean, I'll say it's just, like... It's friendly teasing, and he definitely does cut it out whenever Barney tells him to cut it out, only to bring it back up a few hours later. Um, right. Yeah, but so, in other episodes, he does, like, emotional and psychological torture on Barney like it's, I have no mouth and I must scream. Like, he tears into this poor little man's psyche so much. Alright, so the next thing that happens is uh, Bar- Andy gets a call from Aunt B, and they start to discuss the plans for Christmas. Who's going to, what are we going to have, what are you bringing, who's going to be there, who's going to play Santa, uh, and Andy suggests that Barney play Santa, and, like, as soon as that happened, I gotta say, I definitely had, um, Mrs. Claus from Rudolph pop into my head, who ever heard of a skinny Santa? Eat, Papa, eat! That just me? No? That Not was... Even jo- not even Joe no, the Christmas guy? No, that's, like, that's definitely you. Like, No, not, not definitely you, but that's definitely true. Excuse me. Like, <laughs> Barney, like, Barney, if you're going to get into that suit, I want to put on a few, you know, have a few extra bread rolls with dinner. I, yeah. I was so, I, I was genuinely just taken aback by the Star Wars extra that you turned into for a brief period of time. <laughs> so Andy points, or Andy asks Barney to be uh, Santa, and Barney rightfully observes that he can't. Because as long as they get prisoners in the cell, someone's got to be on duty. So he's not going to be there. Which leads to the 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 uh, designated Andy does something insane portion of the episode. <laughs> like my favorite, possibly one of my favorite actions that Andy ever does in the entire goddamn show. Yeah, well, tell him what it is, Dan. Okay, uh, so he asks Barney, like, all right. So what are they in for? And Barney like starts to go like, well, we arrested him for, and he goes like, no, 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 no. They're in here to learn a lesson about, about how they should participate in society. So that kind of makes us teachers. And in school, don't they let the kids out for Christmas? And Barney's like, yeah, I guess. And Andy just goes like, all right, so we're agreed. We're releasing all of the prisoners. <laughs> and then just opens the jail cell and be like, all right, guys, so you're out for Christmas. Come back after. Uh, be careful crossing the street and don't get too drunk. <laughs> I just noticed that so Dan... Bullshit. Dan's notes for this episode contain the phrase, Andy goddamn lets goddamn everyone out of the goddamn jail. Just what I wanted to happen as they're walking out is just one of the prisoners to turn to another one and just be like, Jeff, weren't you arrested for murder? Yeah. Like, just And then Jeff just goes like, yeah, I guess I'll go finish? <laughs> like, I guess I'll go finish that crime. Oh, that's right. There's three kids in my basement. <laughs> But the most baffling part of this scene to me is that when Andy lets them out of the jail, like, they're all leaving jail, and they all have, like, wrapped Christmas presents with them. Like, what were they doing when he arrested all of them? Yeah, they, they like, 
I like to imagine that maybe they just had their presence with them and they were like in jail to do some last minute rapping. Like maybe Andy <laughs> just passed them the tape and the like wrapping paper through the bars. Uh, maybe it was just like maybe it was just like a uh, a Turbo Man, uh, a Jingle All the Way situation. Oh, no, and all of these these parents had committed horrible crimes in the process of getting those toys for their children because they waited until oh, the last no. minute. By did, the way, uh, did he rob an or did he arrest an entire gang that was robbing the local department store? Or <laughs> what? The Muggins cool. gang. <laughs> so everyone promised to come back. He yeah. asked them to promise to come back. Yeah, everyone's happy, and uh, Barney and Andy are on their way to on their way to their have their Christmas festivities. When enter our villain, our Scrooge Ben Weaver, played by an elderly man named Will Wright. Uh, who has quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of credits to his name? Sim City creator Will Wright. He he Michael Caine's this Scrooge performance. He 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 tears this Scrooge character apart. Like he's a good actor. Yeah, he's really good at this. Uh, I thought for a second that he was Thurl Ravencroft of uh, "You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch" fame, but it is not. It's a different dude. But same kind of idea. Uh, and so Ben comes in and he's holding, uh, this, I don't know, this, like, very dorky looking dude, Sam Muggins, who looks like, like, he came off a fucking Campbell soup can. Uh, and... He looks like a, ca- like a creature from the Dark Crystal. Like, he, he, he looks like just <laughs> a, an adorable, like, uh, just this adorable little, uh, little puppet of a man. Yeah, it, it, he's basically Howdy Doody come to life. Uh, this is, by the way, the only time we'll ever see Sam Muggins uh, in this show. But Sam, he comes in and he's mad at Sam Muggins for moonshining. Uh, and, and as we know before, right, moonshining serious business in Mayberry. Except Sam, I'm sorry, Ben's reasoning, the reason he's so upset by this is that he owns a liquor store. He owns a store that sells spirits and he's tired of moonshiners cutting into his business getting into his profits mayberry is a dry county we know this there is that's a, a major here. plot point of like seven episodes like so far like which is it do you think it was like they they changed their minds later on or just i think forgot they got about this i think they had to right like they were just a kind of a like well, let's hope nobody notices because yeah I- I think they wrote it in a hurry and then didn't even notice that this had been placed in the canon already. Like, let's just get this out here. Um, I wonder, but yeah, like, or or what if in ter- like it, it is established eventually that old Ben is very like like powerful throughout the state. What if Mayberry's like a dry county, with the exception of old Ben's liquors? Like, maybe he has like a uh, a, a government enforced monopoly on Mayberry. Ooh, he does that. He does imply that he is pretty powerful and has friends in high places. He, uh, he basically he, does a speech of, I own this state! I'll have your job if you dare cross me! Yeah, maybe he's like the liquor baron of, 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 of Mayberry County. <laughs> We've never seen this guy before. Uh, but this is his first appearance, but he's apparently like the boogeyman, and he's the only guy in Mayberry that Andy Griffith, like, Treats with any authority whatsoever. Yeah. I feel like he should have been, like, the Lex Luthor of this show. Like, they should have brought Ben back for something. Cause oh, they do. Because he's good in this to not, you know? He comes back. He is a reoccurring fuckface. Like, he learns his lesson at the end of this episode <laughs> and then promptly forgets it. But I don't think, like, he comes back every season with a new scheme to, like, destroy Mayberry. Which, you know, maybe that would have elevated the show a little bit. Uh, not that it needed elevating, but, uh, you know, maybe maybe he's trying to uh, to destroy the youth center and Opie has to stop him in season three with the power of... Uh, Break dancing. Sure. <laughs> the power of the twist. The only way to save a youth center. But he does, uh, he shows up later and uh, and does try to foreclose on a family. 
which Andy oh. has to stop. He so he does come back and he does he, he he gets back to his old shenanigans pretty goddamn quickly. That's actually the reason why we're doing this episode now as opposed to waiting until closer to Christmas is because we had to get this out of the way first and introduce Sam. I'm sorry, introduce Ben uh, before we got to that episode again. Uh, Establish Ben as the villain now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, this is the episode where we meet our like recurring bad guy in Mayberry, uh, a foil to Andy. And Andy points out like Ben could cause a lot of problems for him uh, and Barney if he wanted to. So reluctantly, they do book Sam on charges of moonshining. It's really cool that well, not cool, but uh, sort of Andy Griffith style fucked up that. The only person so far who has demonstrated any authority over Andy whatsoever is, like, a local businessman. Like, not the mayor, not, like, the state police, not sort of any government official whatsoever. Just a dude with a liquor store is able to, like, grind Andy to a shrieking halt. A little bit of accidental social commentary from the Andy Griffith Show yet again. Once again, though, this is David Adler. I don't think it's accidental. Um, oh right yeah man when he 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 can get like very stealth progressive when the subject isn't women yeah that's true (laughs) this is the least horny david adler episode too so yeah i don't think he gets horny at all in this one so they talk about how sad it is that sam has to be away from his family on christmas uh and that gives andy an idea and he says the phrase there's more than one way to plug a buzzard I don't Which, know what, what does that, that even fucking mean? Like, what, why are you plugging a buzzard? He doesn't... I think he meant to say pluck, but he explicitly says plug. Oh, well, yeah. Like, 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 to plug someone, like, to shoot them. Yeah, so. but there's only but one he, way to shoot a, a buzzard. Yeah. <laughs> Unless Opie does it with a slingshot, I guess. I, it sounds like he's violating this poor bird. <laughs> Also, like, plugging anything, is, is that's something a gangster does, Andy. <laughs> Andy is pretty gangster adjacent. He is, uh, he is like a cross between a sheriff and a mob boss of Mayberry. Like, There's more than one way to ventilate a chicken hawk, I recollect. <laughs> there, there's more than one way to bleed a snitch, right, Barney? <laughs> right, Barney. <laughs> right, Andy. So then we fade to black, and we fade back up, and old Ben is outside the jail sale, jailhouse, and he sees Andy pull up in a cruiser, uh, and, the, and when he gets out of the cruiser, he has Sam's wife and children with him, and old Ben is just very mad about this. So he oh, fa- he is, he does like a little, like a little fist shake, like, oh, sheriff, I knew you were going to pull this. It's, a, it's adorable. So he like... Like, shaking his cane, wanders inside, and he follows Andy uh, and Sam's family, going, What are you up to? Why knew you were going to get up to some shenanigans? He's like, He literally says shenanigans. He's Yosemite Sam in this whole thing. Like, Why, you razzin-frassin' farmin'? He's like a cartoon character. He is, like, might be the most cartoon character of any, like, anyone on this show. Like, Andy pretty much turns to him and goes, Eh, what's up, Doc? Eh? <laughs> a really good game of semantics follows. That was a solid Bugs Bunny. Uh, really? Because it came out like Peter Griffin to me. Oh, so, I'd have to listen to that playback. So Andy's defense is that he has decided to arrest Sam's entire family, including the children, which apparently is just a thing you can do uh, in, this, in this city. But he concocts a reason for it. Like, he, he establishes, uh, like... Uh, What's the word? Uh, he establishes motive. He establishes uh, Culp- culpability knew about this. Culpability. Yeah. Thank you. And like, did you did you see your daddy making moonshine, Billy? Uh huh. Did you see your daddy making moonshine? Uh huh. See, Ben, there you go. Yeah, they're they're all accessories before, during, and after the fact. Uh, is exactly that's the what best is. Andy Griffith someone has done on this show the entire time, and I'm kind of mad about it because we were so close to cracking it. <laughs> I, I told you guys, I grew up with this shit, man. Like, it's in my blood. We were on the verge of figuring out Andy Griffith's southern accent, and you just swooped in and did it. The secret is to have a southern accent. God damn it. 
So Barney comes in and he's got a tree. Uh, and Aunt B comes in and she's got the turkey and she's got all the spread. And Ellie comes in and she's got like a big old pitcher of eggnog. I love this part because Ellie like scoops out a ladle full of eggnog and Andy takes the ladle and it passes the ladle to Sam through the bar. Just like, here you go, guys, drink from this. <laughs> Just to remind you, you're still prisoners, I guess. Um, you ain't good enough for cups. Yeah. And he, they're like halfway doing the facade. Like they're, they're like, uh, like, like you have to be in jail, but also fuck this. <laughs> and Ben, the whole time is just getting angrier and angrier. And he's what? What is going on? Why are you having a party? And Andy's excuse is that he has deputized everyone here. Like everyone gets to be here. Like because Andy and can he, just deputize they, anyone at any time. They then show each and every person with, like, a deputy's badge, like Ellie and Aunt B, and then after that, Opie, which it, it should have been just Old Ben going like, alright, well, checkmate, you deputized a child, so none of <laughs> none of this is okay. Uh, uh, and also, like, a very uncomfortable shot of Aunt B's ass, because that's where she put her badge, for some reason. I think I blocked that out. It rules. It's really <laughs> funny. Like, that is that is one of Aunt B's, like, defining fuck you moments. Like One of many. <laughs> wipe my ass with the with the authority in this town. Aunt uh, B's rage against the machine is fuck. <laughs> Aunt B Aunt B gives no quarter. Aunt right. B won't do what you tell me. <laughs> Aunt B won't do what you tell me. Aunt B won't do what you tell me. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> oh, Christ. Okay. It's so insane that the most anti-authoritarian person on this show is Aunt fucking B. <laughs> Alright, so... So... I'm just getting to the end of the scene. So, basically, Ben, uh, you know, storms out in a huff. Uh, and he, like, circles around behind the jail. And he uh, he does this bit. He climbs, tries to climb up the window. He's scowling. I think this is the first time, maybe the first and only time, we ever see the perspective from the jail cell looking in to the courthouse. Yeah, uh, it's a weird he's, shot. It's a weird, it's a good shot, though. I like it a lot. So we see from Ben's point of view as he, like, peeks through the bars in the window and looks into everybody having a good time. Then he starts to think. It's basically the Grinch, right? The Grinch is hatching a plan. You know what my favorite thing about this episode is? It's one of the few shows I've watched where, like, scene one, introduce a conflict. Scene two, Solve the conflict. Remainder of the episode. Yeah, suck it, conflict. Like, it's just, they solve the problem almost immediately, and then the remainder of the show is just everyone going like, yeah, solve that problem. Here's a, just a, a an actual party in real time. Like, it rules. <laughs> With, like, musical breaks and dancing and letters from the audience at home it's great there's just prolonged periods where the cast is just hanging out going like hey remember when we had that problem that sure sucked glad it's over almost immediately who wants to hear me play this guitar honestly though like, everybody i think that's what makes me like this episode so much because the the feeling of a christmas party on the andy griffith set it that feels like we're, what we're watching it feels like we're not seeing Andy Taylor, Barney Fife, uh, Ellie Walker. It really does feel like after hours, Andy Griffith, Don Knotts, Eleanor Donahue, um, Francis. A, a loosening yeah. of the tie. Yeah, it feel it feels it, it, like they're they're hanging out like as friends, and it it does come across. It's like, a couple episodes ago we talked about how uh, Barney and Andy's friendship really works because Don Knotts and Andy Griffith were such good friends. Uh, and this is one of those times when we let that, like, real-life camaraderie sneak into the episode. Uh, and it plays very well. Um, and it's kind of a nice reminder that, like, Andy Griffith got his start as, like, a down-home southern musical comedian. Like, the musical numbers in this in this episode are very nice, very lovely. And, like, you forget that, like, he is an actual, like, trained musician as well. 
Well, no, you don't. You don't, because he reminds us at every opportunity on this show. But yeah, he he will spare no no chance to break out his guitar. Anytime there's more than two seconds of silence, Andy just like slowly starts bringing the guitar out from behind something. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I, I'll be perfectly honest. Like you guys right now are the Andy Griffith experts. Like it's kind of a thing where I remember it from my childhood and that's kind of where it stays right now. Yeah, so. yeah. No, you haven't been submitted to the madness we have been submitted to. So, back inside the courthouse, I guess we probably faded to a commercial and came back. Uh, Opie comes in, yelling! Ah! As Opie is, is known to do. Uh, just yell. Pa, pa, pa. <laughs> a premium Ron Howard shriek. Um, like, just yelling about a robbery happening outside. And so everyone runs outside. Uh, and they find Ben. Ben is walk. I love this shot. Ben is just, like, taking a wooden bench. And he's just walking down in a huff. Like, hur, hur, hur. Uh, it, um, I feel like Andy should have immediately turned to Opie and just be like, okay, so we need to work on your definition of robbery. Because that means a lot. This is an old man stealing a bench. You know, robbery could mean, like, firearms, right? It's just, it's such a silly little... It's very Coen Brothers, the silliness of this moment. And everyone's just following behind them, just going, what are you doing? What? Why are you Why are you stealing that bench? And, uh... Yeah. It's the weirdest crime. Like, he's just, like, he's stealing just an out, a piece of outdoor furniture, like... The response to that most realistically would be like, all right, well, we'll just take it back, like, tomorrow, because it's a bench. It's it's also not a very good bench. It's pretty clearly worth, like, $2. So, fine? Yeah. Uh, so, Barney, of course, wants to arrest him. Like, all right, we'll arrest him. And he says, no, that's dumb. Uh, and he's gonna do it, but Ellie, and I love this recurring gag, that Ellie just talks him out of it, just like, Look, it's Christmas. Let him have the freaking bench. And Andy's like, you're right. Here's a bench. And it's just like the recurring bit of Ellie ruining all of Ben's plans just by being a sweetheart. <laughs> just, yeah, by being, like, the voice of good in the situation. Just curbs, like, the constant devil on Andy's shoulder, which is Barney telling him to arrest an old man. Ben gets so mad at her for just being decent. Just like, how dare you exert human kindness? Ah! I mean, she is very, like, she's saving him because Barney is not like, all right, well, let's arrest him. Barney is like, like, put him in the jail cell. Let me waterboard him. Let me beat this old man. Like, Barney would not just stop at arrest. He is furious. Uh, so back inside, they're, they're doing the tree lighting. This is where we get one of those musical interludes that Joe was talking about. Um, and they play along, uh, Ellie and, uh, Andy have a nice little moment where they play, uh, music together. Meanwhile, we see Ben go get his car and move it in front of the fire hydrant, the fire plug, intentionally. And Barney enters, now he's arrested old Ben. Uh, and he wrote him a ticket for parking in front of a fire plug, and Ben tore up the ticket, and I'm amazed that Barney didn't murder him on the spot. Just immediately gut shot him. And he has this <laughs> this great freaking line here where Andy calls him on it. He's like, Ben, did you really do that? And uh, Ben goes, I did. And uh, Andy says, well, tearing up a ticket, that's that's contempt of the law. You got a reason for it? And Ben's like, yeah, I got a reason. I got contempt for the law around here. It's a fucking Johnny Cash song. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I, and he, his delivery fucking rules. Like, I got contempt of the law. Like, it's so badass. Uh, it does sunglasses, not rat playing in the background. Like, <laughs> yeah. It should, it should be, like, mixed over a Wu-Tang track. Like, it's so <laughs> fucking good. So Andy figures he's just going to give him a new ticket. Uh, and then Ben says, good, I'll rip that one up too. And by the way, I, it's... How does Andy not see what Ben is doing by this point? I don't... He he has to do this whole thing, like, three fucking times. Like, it, they should have picked up on, like, 
why this, like, uh, previously authoritarian old man is trying to get himself arrested. They, they, they should have put that together almost immediately. But uh, then I guess there would be no episode. Like It almost should have been, like, an, a thing that Opie all, all of a sudden just kind of realizes, like, hey, Pa, we should invite him to the Christmas party. But, eh. Yeah, no, we gotta let we gotta let Ben be Ben, you know. Sure, uh, but it's fine because letting Ben be Ben rules. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, totally. And just ben- Ben's I, "fuck you, I won't do it." You tell me is pretty great. <laughs> so Andy says that he's gonna it like the fine is only two dollars, but contempt is two days in jail. And Ben's like, "All right, I'll take two days." And Ellie once again is like, "It's Christmas. Here's two dollars. Goodbye, Ben. Get out." <laughs> um... <laughs> So they kick him out again, uh, and now they're, again, fade to black, fade back up. Uh, they're inside the jail. Uh, Andy and Barney are working on, like, fixing the lights, so they light the tree, they're, and everyone's really They're just, happy. like, setting up the tree, and Aunt B is, like, uh, is, 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 like, yelling at Barney about something. Uh, and then Andy drops the Barney poo line again. Like, he's like, like, oh, go get dressed up like Santa. Barney Poo, like it's 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 a very weird reoccurring bit. And Barney's like, <laughs> I'll get you back later. Yeah. yeah. Again, I I like all of this, um, and I like what we're about to see too. Is that Andy picks up his guitar, and Ellie starts to sing beautifully, um, and she starts to sing "Away in a Manger," and then Andy starts to sing, but the voice that comes out of his mouth. Clearly not Andy Griffith. And, right, like what I said earlier still counts, but this is definitely not Andy. Yeah, and and you go, like, for a second, I'm just like, what the hell, what is this? Because we know what Andy's voice sounds like, and it's not his. But then as the camera pans a little bit to the left and zooms in on the jail cell, we see Ben once again perched at the window looking in. And we realize that the beautiful tenor that is coming out of Andy's voice, or Andy's mouth, is not Andy. It is Ben's voice. He is sadly singing outside of the party uh, in this beautifully framed shot as he, like, looks in sadly, uh, like like John Wayne at the end of The Searchers. And it's... it. Dan, uh, Joe, you mentioned the feels, right? You said that... It's this- a heartbreaker, dude. I swear. Like, this scene is, you, you all of a sudden realize, if you haven't guessed it by now, what's going on, why Ben is being so ornery and, and angry. You realize that, like, he's the sad old man at Christmas, and all he wants is to be included in something. And it's just such a well-constructed little scene. And they, it, they, like you said, it tells this whole story in, like, one camera move and one song. It's beautiful. It really is. They they literally, they describe nothing of Ben's backstory other than he owns the general store and he is very mean a lot. Like, they don't have to show him, like, walking around an empty house or, like, talk about how his wife died or anything like that. Literally just a few scraps of information and this shot. It It's, it's, it's really great writing. Yeah, the uh, the ultra reliable Mayberry Wiki uh, kind of says Hell that yes. Ben is is said to be the richest man in Mayberry, but like that's just kind of inferred. Like, there's nothing canon about this. Um, I mean, he is the only one with anything even close to authority over Andy, so that 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 sort of implies like like a, a certain degree of wealth. If there was a richer person, they would also be telling Andy what to do. That's true. That's true. But it's just, this moment is so good. Uh, and so, but it's cut short by Barney coming in. Uh, and Don Knotts is clearly loving this, right? He's very happy to coming in as Santa. Uh, and he does this, like, he does this little ho-ho rendition. And, oh, and, and Ben looks so pissed off at this, too. <laughs> he hates it so much. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. No, I was actually confused in that moment. Why Ben was pissed off? Was he? Was his anger like that's not how Santa looks, or or was it? That's what I want to say. It was, or like it was, or it might have almost been like a religious thing. Like he was finally getting his like moment, and then Barney comes in as Santa Claus and just ruins it. Like I, I don't know. I feel like that could have been a completely different direction for this episode if Ben's had if Ben had some like religious hangups about you know. 
Andy and Barney and what they do as people. I don't know. Possibly. There is sort of a weird religious thing. And uh, they, they mentioned Christ pretty, pretty explicitly in that song that Andy and Ellie sing. Uh, in that they, they pretty much just like do a song of like, so Christmas is about Jesus and that primarily. Like it's it's a weird old timey amount of being able to to talk about Christ. Right. I mean it's it's a very kind of uh backwoods sort of Appalachian sort of Christmas. Yeah. And that's kind of what it is really. Um but yeah. Well, I, I think it's sort of like like modern like Christmas stories, you kinda have to dance around the Jesus thing and back then you could just be like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, here's a song where we say Jesus like 15 times. I mean, right, like, I, think, I don't think they had any problem like just singing like church hymns out in public. Yeah. Like you kind of do now. Qu- it's not quite like stopping the entire episodes that, L- that Linus can read from the book of Luke. Um, yeah. Know. Yeah. It's just like, this is, this is what it is and we're going to move on. By the way gonna since since i'm apparently never gonna be on on christmas creeps that's a lie i'm coming on christmas creeps no in two weeks <laughs> you're on next marty get ready yeah uh but i was gonna say something that's always bothered me about a charlie brown christmas is that linus is complaining that he can't memorize all the lines to the play that they're doing he's like upset like i can't memorize all of this but then he just re- recites pretty much the entire book of luke from memory just no problem on that one. Didn't even stutter. What the hell, Linus? <laughs> not, Put some not effort to mention, into like, it. Like he's the innkeeper. What lines could he possibly have? Right. <laughs> uh, okay. This one line is no. That's that's all you need as, as the innkeeper. No, you can't stay here. Uh, something so, to the effect of "fuck off." So, yeah, you can ad lib it. So, Ben falls off of his box that he's using to, like, stand on to look into the window. Uh, and so that creates a little noise. Out from the alley, there arose such a clatter. And Andy <laughs> g- jumps up to see what is the matter. So he goes out Did to you investigate. rehearse that? No, that was, that was improv, my friend. So, uh, Andy goes out uh, and where he finds old Ben on the ground, sulking. Go, go ahead, uh, they, they, they get into an argument. Uh, during the argument... Uh, Andy like says like why are you why are you snooping around outside my jail cell this is sketchy and old Ben says uh and, and he threatens to arrest old Ben for uh for causing a disturbance and potentially being a prowler which I, I didn't I didn't know that prowling was an official crime back then um but the the an, another like like it's the designated something fucked up happens uh uh, Ben says, if you arrest me, I'll sue for wrongful arrest. And Andy says, that's threatening an officer of the law. Which, no it isn't. Threatening <laughs> to sue for wrongful arrest is definitely not, uh, definitely not threatening an officer. What the fuck are you talking about? It's sort of like that weird thing whenever someone goes like, hey Andy Griffith, I don't think you're good at your job. He's like, well that's illegal for you to say. Like, they just slip in some authoritarian weirdness. But it's Christmas! I think think that's why he pokes Andy, like, pretty hard. Like, Andy could justifiably say, well, you assaulted an officer of the law. Look at this bruise on my shoulder. It hurts. I need some ice. Barney! Ice! (laughs) Yeah, just like, like, then, then the episode abruptly turns to Andy testifying in court that old Ben assaulted him. Now, Your Honor, I cannot throw my football with Opie the way I used to. I will need disability and several months of him in jail. All right, so so Andy figures out what's going on. Because he says something like, If I didn't know any better, I'd say you were trying to get yourself arrested. Oh. Which right, so, fucking took you long enough. So here's here's our conclusion. So we And we fade to black, and, and we come back up, uh, and Ellie is worried because she says man andy's been out there a long time investigating so she sends barney out to find andy but before barney gets out andy comes in with ben and ben has got a giant suitcase joe do you want to tell us what's happening in this scene all right so andy explains that well since he's arresting ben uh ben uh invoked his right to go home and get his personal effects which (laughs) i 
sure, okay. <laughs> That's not all right, but okay. Never heard that before, but okay. But he's getting this big suitcase, and he's to, he tells Barney to check the suitcase for files and whatnot, because, you know, we can't have any of that in the prison cell. So they open it up, and it's, it's a box full of gifts. He gives Opie a set of uh, roller skates and says, I must have thought these were electric razors. And he gives the other kid a baseball glove and says, I must have thought this was a pillow. And he gives the little girl a, a baby doll, and he starts handing out gifts and whatnot. I like how and, he doesn't oh. have any excuse for the doll. He's just like, oh, what the hell is this? You take it. Like, <laughs> it's, oh. Who who even, why? Oh, come on. Little girl, here, have it. But and then they, he just starts, like, throwing out miscellaneous presents. Yeah, not not just to like Andy and and Aunt B and all of, but but to uh, the Mugginses as well. Like they they both get their gifts, and he gives he gives Barney a gift, then he takes it away from him very angrily and hands it to Andy. But then he gives Barney a gift too because all is forgiven, and it, everybody has a lovely Christmas party. It's so, an adorable scene. <laughs> ben, like, it ben, is genuinely heartwarming. Ben goes to his cell to serve his time, quote unquote. Uh, and before he's allowed to go, he's stopped by uh, Deputy Aunt B, who has made him a lovely plate of Christmas dinner. And he goes to his cell, and he drinks his eggnog, and he eats happily as part of the party. And it's so sweet, you guys. It's so it's good. I love but it. Yeah, this is the textbook definition of heartwarming. Like, you just want to snuggle up to a fire with this episode. Uh <laughs> It's a great Christmas episode. And then the stinger is fantastic. Dan, tell like, us. Uh, so everyone is, like, going home, and they're, like, like, like Barney and Ellie leave, and uh, uh, they're in the process of, uh, of letting out the muggins. Uh, and, uh, and Sam and Andy are, like, are, like, getting everything ready, and Sam uh, picks up his moonshine jug and says, like, oh, it's... It's empty. And, and Annie's like, well, if there's no moonshine, I guess I can't charge you. Uh, what happened to all of it? And uh, Andy reveals that he left it in old Ben's cell, just thinking that, like, old Ben would have a little of it. And Ben proceeded to just down the whole thing, get pissed drunk, and pass out. And they just show Ben, like, in his bed, like, just happy and drunk. It's adorable. But also, Almost Ben dead. killed... <laughs> yeah, he killed an entire jug of moonshine. Like, ben is of... blind now. Yeah, he's going to have the most vicious hangover if he survives. I, I want to point out, at one point, Sam like infers to Andy, he's like, Andy, you didn't get rid of the moonshine, did you? And Andy goes, no, no, I wouldn't tamper with evidence. And like... Why not? <laughs> Wink. You you do everything else in this town. Come on, man. You've broken every other like law enforcement law. Why why stop at tampering with the evidence? Uh, I mean, really? Sam kind of has that reaction where Andy's like, I wouldn't tamper with evidence, and Sam is like, Oh, really? Okay, cool, neat. I didn't know. Th- I'm learning stuff about you. I I totally would have would have picked up on that. Okay, uh, continue telling me about yourself, Andy Griffin. <laughs> I think Andy's real answer is like, well, I wouldn't drink this in front of Opie, so otherwise yeah. I totally would have. No, no, Andy will totally commit a felony in front of Opie. He, he he framed a man for armed robbery and clued his kid in on the conspiracy last time. <laughs> the, the, it's, the, the line of what Andy Griffith will and will not do is an ever-moving target that we will never totally nail down. His his code of of of, le- of ethics and loyalty to the law changes sometimes, like in the midst of an episode, like this episode. Yes. <laughs> so, so I, I would like to point out, like about this stinger. Um, so every Christmas they sh- they rerun this episode on our local uh, CBS affiliate, uh, and they will they've started to cut this the stinger part, the part where Ben drinks the moonshine out of the broadcast. Oh fuck you! What? And I don't. Shit. I don't know if it's. Yeah, I know, and I don't know if it's because like they're cutting the episode down for time, which this is already a really short episode, or if they're seriously censoring a friggin' fifty-year-old TV show. 
but I honestly don't understand why, especially not in like Andy Griffith's like home market, you know? I mean, cut one of the seven scenes that's just them discussing the finer points of tree decoration. Like, <laughs> yeah. there is like, there is like, like maybe five solid minutes of just like a party happening. Like they, they discuss the, they, they, they light the tree and they like, like Don Knotts is just Santa for a minute and goes around being Santa. Like it, mm, yeah, it's there's a lot of not that. even particularly TV showy. It's just the way a party would go. So, but so like, if you see this on local TV now, like Ben gets his, he gives the gifts and he gets his Christmas dinner from Aunt B and it like the music fades up and the show is over. That ruins the entire episode. That sucks. It, it the really episode does. needs Ben pissed drunk. That's the that's the that's the uh, the conceit of the whole thing. It's yeah, yeah. it's the punchline to the whole episode. Isn't that Ben gets ripped on moonshine and passes out in a jail cell? Uh, also, I really wanted there to just be like, like you know how a Christmas uh, a Christmas thing will always have like a zoom out shot as there's like a happy narration by like 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 the equivalent of like the Grinch. I just wanted yeah. there to be one of those where they, like, slowly zoom out of the jail cell. And meanwhile, the entire time this has been happening, the guys that Andy led out of jail have just been going on a fucking rampage. Like, there's flipped <laughs> cars and buildings on fire, and just these lunatics are just, like, running across the street. Little did Andy know that the largest crime spree pilot mountain's ever seen was taking place not far from here. They would go on to call it the Christmas Anarchy. For generations, it would be considered a legal precedent. This uh, this entire episode is basically Christmas in the Drunk Tank by the Pogues. Like, yeah, yeah. Holy it is. shit! Okay, wow. that's the outro. Okay, like I was thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you gotta do that, do yeah. that or like you you do that. That uh, is one hundred percent the outro. Do do that, but then at the final button at the end has to be Ben going Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Christmas. We we haven't talked enough about how Ben is literally Ebenezer Scrooge. Like he straight up bah humbugs this whole thing. He st- stops just short of saying the words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas. It, but it's not even a catchphrase because he just says Christmas and then just does a plosive. He just goes like Christmas. <laughs> Like, <laughs> just sort of, like, coughs a little. Yeah. Hey, Christmas, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> that's even just more, just, no, that's more of a, of a catchphrase. Like, at least those are words. <laughs> just, like, like Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 he's cough. like, he he's wants to, like, hide something under his brother. <laughs> Barney sucks. <laughs> Yeah. And and he has three goes at it. Like he he keeps trying, and he's like like every time I'm like Ben, Christmas pet is not gonna catch on, man. Just say like like. Can we recommend maybe a Christmas harumph or oh. uh, a is right or... there, Ben? Harumph is right there. Stop trying to make pet happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> All right. Oh uh, God. So, ratings for this episode, I think rather than do our typical, like, Andy meter and Barney meter rate, I mean, if, if we were going to do the Andy meter, I'm going to say 10 Andys. This this is absolutely 10 Andys, it rules. But, uh, Joe, as you are our special guest, would you like to explain to us the rating system on your show? Um, sure. So, on our show, when we talk about movies, our our rating system is called the crankometer because the first episode we ever did was christmas with the cranks uh and the x it's an x and y axis and the x axis is how christmasy this film is Mm -hmm. and the y axis is is the quality axis how good the film is um so for this episode ooh, like we do it on a scale of five to negative negative five to five so oh because you don't have anything good uh so we we do the andy meter versus the fifo meter the andy meter is our quality uh, and the FIFO meter is uh, oh, the FIFO like, meter. That's so good. <laughs> the FIFO meter is uh, how like morally reprehensible, how how messed up are the events of this episode? Uh, okay. okay, I think I think though I would like to replace the FIFO meter because uh, it's not super high, other than Andy letting everyone out of jail. I think I'd like to replace <laughs> the FIFO meter with uh, with uh, a crank for this episode. Dan, how do you feel? Uh, so the cranks is like the degree of Christmassy. Um. I mean, it's 
it's pretty Christmassy. There's no like like lesson about Christmas like a lot of shows will have, where like like a character will give a monologue about the importance of family over presents or anything. It's just generally like just just people doing a Christmas and having a good time. I think it, like Christmas five? is happening. Really, I was, I'm going to say like nine. Like this is extremely really Missy. But did, Joe, you're our Christmas expert. How Christmassy would you say that this episode is? Oh my god, I want to give it the full ten. I really do, but maybe that's just my personal bias. Because really, this, this this is this is like pure strain, like ground zero for like Christmas traditions with me. So like, it's not Christmas without it. And watching it puts me in that right frame of mind. Oh so, jo- yeah, I like I, I I I know you guys are saying like if it's got to be based on how Christmassy the thing is, which is what we do, sure. But, like, yeah, it's still a full 10 for me. Like, it's Christmas in the courthouse. They're singing Christmas songs. They're having a party. Um, the whole conflict is resolved because of Christmas. Uh, so I think that's worthy of a perfect 10. All right. And uh, and as far as how much we like this episode, like, I'm going to say a 10. I love this episode. I'll also, well, no, I'll, I'll say a 9. I like Manhunt better. Joe? Yeah, this is this is a good episode of of the integrate of the show. Like I don't want to I don't want to ruin anything by saying if you know whether or not there's there's better or worse because you guys have clearly gone worse here. But uh, yeah, oh, I would boy. give it a solid 8 as far as the quality of the show goes. Yeah. All right. And and Joe, so you watch this episode every year? It kind of airs in your mark you've mentioned. Is this- Yeah, and 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 if I miss it, like it's on Netflix and I will watch it. Okay, so it is in your holiday rotation. Absolutely, yes. So how many times before we asked you to watch it for this, have you seen it? Let's see, I'm 31 years old, so... 31 times? That is a preamble. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a good dozen or so, dozen or two times. Like, I've seen it quite often. Okay, alright. Other than that, I think that we are pretty much good here. Do you guys have any closing thoughts? No, there's like it. It's just too nice for me to like like have very like much more to say about it. It's just it's just a good little episode of TV that I very much needed. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. Like I, like I told y'all I watch this every Christmas, but getting it in, in June is kind of man. I I needed this in my soul right now. Yeah, yeah like today today was a rough day, especially politically uh, and for the world. So. Uh, I'm a big, I'm very happy that we got to talk about this today. Um, I want to give a shout out. Yeah. Uh, with, with just like the last couple of episodes, it's been like, all right, so, uh, the world is a nightmare carnival. Let me just go and let me, let me spend my leisure time submitting myself to the nightmares of yesteryear. And this was like finally one where I get to like, not be horrified by the Andy Griffith show for once. (laughs) Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and wrap up. By the way, I want to sh- give a uh, shout out to Twitter user I'm gonna mis- Trebucket or Trebuchet. The guy's name is Trey. His his at his Twitter handle is Trebucket, but I think it's a Trebuchet joke, uh, which is great if your name is Trey. Uh, shout out to Twitter user Trebucket uh, because he is. Always, like, giving us good information on Twitter and responding to every single episode. And he's always got good insight and stuff that I wind up using in future episodes. So, Trey, thanks for listening. Uh, we really appreciate all your feedback and everything. So, I guess giving you a special uh, Christmas shout-out for, for Trey. Um, you can follow us on all sorts of internet places if you want to be like Trey uh, and talk with us. You can follow our show we are on twitter at break mayberry uh on facebook.com slash breaking mayberry email us breaking mayberry at gmail.com um please if you like the show don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes also give ratings and reviews and uh send us fan art or whatever but the ratings and reviews really help us show up in search results uh for other people to listen to so if you like us please send that out there if you want to follow us personally, you can follow me. Uh, I am at Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm at The Luds. Joe, where can we find I, your stuff? Sorry. Oh, 
Uh, yeah, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Cordial Wombat and uh, Christmas Creeps is, you know, ChristmasCreeps.com. Uh, we do shows typically every two weeks and you can follow us on Twitter at Christmas Creeps. And uh, I'm assuming you can get Christmas Creeps on iTunes and anywhere where pods are casted. Pretty much everywhere. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Guys, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. So Marty has uh, inexplicably collapsed from uh, from just sheer overload of Christmas joy. Marty is sleeping off the holiday cheer with a jug of moonshine of his own. So until next time, we'll catch you down at the fishing hole. One second, I mispronounced fishing hole. Ah, damn it, he, his job is hard. So until next time, we'll catch y'all down at the fishing hole. And then outro music. Shazam! So happy Christmas I love you, baby I can see a better time When all our dreams come true Let's do another thing of explaining uh, why Marty is um is out. We've seized control of the podcast from Marty's tyranny. Uh, I have seized the means of podcasting. This is my it's show a, now. It's a Christmas mutiny. Marty has lost control of the podcast. I get ho, to say ho, some ho. bullshit about the fishing hole now. Ho, ho, ho. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. Do another. <laughs> Oh, Marty, Marty's been kidnapped by the Darling family, so we're going to wrap things up here and try and hunt them down. Yeah. All right. Uh, we will catch you all down at the fishing hole, as Marty says for some reason. <laughs>